The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did and the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house, sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, usually joined by my co-host, Aaron Murray, but this is still the Punt and Pass Pandemic Podcast. That's right, another episode of the Quarantine Chronicles coming at you. Be sure to follow the show at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. Follow me at Drew Butler on Twitter and Instagram, and I thank you so much for tuning in yet again. Thanks, guys, for enjoying these Quarantine Chronicles. I've gotten a ton of requests on who I should interview. i got another great episode coming up tomorrow, but today we have a very special episode. You know, with all the news from the sports league, specifically this week, rolling out some tentative scheduling, is there light at the end of the tunnel? When will sports come back? When will this quarantine self-isolation sports hiatus end. PJ Tour has said possibly middle of June. Major League Baseball has said, hey, maybe we'll have all 30 teams in Arizona and get started with spring training and the regular season. The NBA is talking about possibly going to Las Vegas. Is football going to be on time? You heard some college football coaches getting restless saying, let's get back to work. Why speak to any of the coaches or the players? They don't know what the hell they're talking about. Today, we are going to be joined by one of my good friends and the smartest person who has ever been on the Punt and Pass podcast. It's Dr. Destin Hill. And get this, Dr. Hill was with the Arizona Cardinals when I was out there, and he is a Georgia Bulldog. So we had some camaraderie and some great friendships and discussions over Georgia football while we were both out in the desert. Dr. Hill is a sports medicine physician who specializes in the care of patients and athletes of all ages. He completed his family medicine residency at Mayo Clinic Scottsdale, one of the top hospitals in America. He then completed his sports medicine fellowship at the prestigious American Sports Medicine Institute under Dr. James Andrews. Everybody who's an SEC fan knows who Dr. James Andrews is. He is board certified in sports medicine and family medicine, Dr. Hill is a team physician for the Arizona Cardinals. That's, of course, where I know him from. The Arizona Diamondbacks and the Phoenix Suns. He is also a team consultant with the Arizona Coyotes, Colorado Rockies, Chicago Cubs, San Francisco Giants, Oakland A's, Pittsburgh Pirates, and he served as the Phoenix Medical Director for the Copa America Centenario and CONCACAF Gold Cup Soccer 
tournaments. This dude is a brilliant genius. He is a great Georgia Bulldog and an awesome doctor. Cannot wait to get into a great discussion about when we will get sports back. What is he hearing? What is the safest route? And what's that timeline looking like? Stick around for that interview. But before we get to it, guys, I just got to say something. It finally hit me. You know, I've been doing these conversations. I'm trying to stay as positive as I can. I'm controlling what I consume. Shout out to Trevor Moad, who was on with us a couple of weeks ago. I'm really focusing on the good things. Shout out to Dr. Brett McCabe, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago. But I woke up this morning, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. It's Masters Thursday, and there's no Masters It's just killer, and I think what makes it even worse is ESPN replaying some of the greatest final rounds. You know, yesterday is supposed to be par three day, beautiful day in Georgia. thought to myself, wow, it'd be awesome to play some golf, maybe head into the grill afterwards, have a couple of pops with the boys, and watch the par three tournament. That, of course, didn't happen. I woke up this morning, and it is just a picturesque spring day and, and no masters in Augusta. My wife asked me, what's wrong? I said, there's no masters. She said, grow up. And I said, no, there, there's no masters. And she said, you need to grow up for real. And I go, okay, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and change Bridget and get the girls out of bed and begin my Thursday. But um, you know what? I, I can't wait for November to get here now. And we will have two masters tournaments in a span of five months, right? The 2020 masters, which will be in November. And the 2021 Masters, which, of course, will be in April. But speaking of November, are all the traditions going to be the same? Obviously, azaleas will not be in bloom. Are pimento cheese sandwiches still acceptable in November? I mean, that is a springtime staple. That is like an Easter turning of the season staple. Sweet tea, you think of green cups. I mean, obviously, those things will remain the same. But um, just got me thinking. It just got me thinking. I don't know. Let me feel these feelings, though, please. Allow me to wallow in my semi-depression as I wish the Masters was being played this weekend. The forecast in Georgia is perfect. Yes, Sunday it's supposed to rain a little bit, but Saturday, like 68 and mostly sunny. I mean, are you kidding me? What a perfect day to watch or go to the Masters in Augusta, Georgia. Not getting it. I understand. It's time to move on, all right? Talk to me on Sunday afternoon. I'll get there eventually, but let me feel these feelings. That's all I ask. Maybe the next person we talk to could help me uh, get past these feelings or prescribe me something to make me feel a little bit better. This is going to be an awesome discussion. I cannot wait to connect with Dr. Hill. I haven't talked to him in a while, but this dude is an absolute stud. He has obviously a ton of experience in the sports world, and he will give us exactly what we need to know when it comes to what to expect with the return of sports in this coronavirus pandemic. So without further ado, let's welcome him in to the show. Here is Dr. Destin Hill. Here we go. Very special guest on this episode of the Quarantine Chronicles, the punt and pass pandemic podcast. It's my good buddy, Dr. Destin Hill. And Dr. Hill, I, I just did your entire read-through of your bio on the Arizona Sports Medicine Center. It's extremely impressive. We all know that. I have said that you are the smartest person who's ever been on the podcast. But most importantly, you're a Georgia Bulldog. These are some crazy times. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk with us here on the podcast. How are you and how's the family? I'm doing great, Drew. Thanks a lot, man. Uh, happy to be here. I'm actually a, a listener as well, so uh, love your podcast. You and Aaron do a great job, so 
uh, family's doing well. It's a beautiful day here in Arizona, so I uh, can't complain. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I told everybody before you jumped on how we were good buddies, kind of forged our friendship through Georgia Bulldog Connection out there in Arizona. Obviously, you're a team physician for the Arizona Cardinals, but you're also with the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Phoenix Suns. The Diamondbacks were in spring training right there in Arizona, obviously, when the season got halted, and the Phoenix Suns were playing when the season got halted as well. So from your position, Doc, when did you really first realize the severity of the situation, and then with the snap of a finger, everything just got stopped in the sports world? Um, Well, you know, I can remember I was driving home from work from the office, and I can remember listening to the sports talk radio here in Arizona and the Rudy Gobert situation was going down. It paused the game. Uh, and, you know, I can remember thinking, uh Oh, here we go. Like this is going to be the moment where stuff kind of changes. And so I think it was that, that night when they canceled the NBA season. I mean, that, that was the night where it was almost surreal um, to see, you know, sports who tend to be, you know, kind of plow through a lot of the changes and, and economic downturns of the world uh, to, to hear an NBA season was going to be paused or canceled and then Major League Baseball and all that uh, was pretty shocking. I think that was kind of the moment. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. We've talked about it on, on Quarantine Chronicles past. Sports is recession-proof. I mean, when things go bad, right. that's what people turn to to get their minds off whatever it was that you had to stress through throughout the day. And now we don't have that. And especially here in Georgia on a beautiful spring week, we don't even have the Masters, which is really hitting home for some of us. It's uh, Obviously, there are more important things to focus on than the lack of sports, but that's what we all, some of us, make our living in, and a lot of us really look forward to. What was the communication like from the leagues or from the teams that you work with when the seasons were stopped? Did they just say, hey, guys, kind of hold in place and we'll keep you updated, or was there more of a formal announcement to the team physicians? Well, initially it was, uh, it, it was, as you can imagine, a little chaotic. I mean, you know, um, this is unprecedented, right? Like you said, I mean, sports tend to be recession proof. And so it was pretty unprecedented, but we got communication through the team and through the general managers and uh, the sports staff, the athletic trainers there that, Hey, we're pausing. Uh, we're not sure what all this means yet, but uh, we're on hold for now. Um, and then as the kind of days and weeks went on, the communication was, was, as, as good as it can be, right? I mean, it's still a, a, a unique scenario. No one's been there. There's no playbook for this. And so since then, the communication has been excellent. I think there's uh, there's weekly meetings with the different organizations. They have different conference calls, um, kind of updating, you know, from everybody from the front office to the, the medical staff. So um, it's definitely been a, a, a process, but at the same time, actually pretty good. I mean, at the end of this, uh, we're going to look back and probably, you know, figure out ways to do things a little better. But uh, in the middle of it, um, during a crisis like this, uh, communication has been key, and it's been good, actually. They've done a really good job, I think. Yeah, I, I find that interesting because you know, as we continue to go through this, obviously when it got really bad, you saw some of the graphs, some of the curves, some of the projections, and you're sitting there going – oh my God, this is going to be a really serious deal. But to your point, the communication has seemed um, really good. And I think really the collective buy-in from all levels of government, from the private sector as well, has shown just how much you can do even with an unexpected pandemic like this. I don't know if this is private information or not, but have any of the athletes on any of the teams that you work with 
contracted coronavirus? Have you have you seen it firsthand? Uh, what kind of uh, response that they get from a team or from the medical staff? Um, yeah, so um, I, I can't divulge all like it's specific information, yeah. but I can tell you that uh, we we haven't had anybody uh, that I've been in contact with. I know other teams have, but I, I personally have not. Um, and and there's a whole protocol of of testing and keeping the guys, even suspected guys, quarantined in a way, and um, you know how they would get tested. And there's protocols in place for all the different leagues. So um, thankfully, uh, we haven't had to deal with it. Um, but I know other other places are and. Um, you know, thankfully for the younger generation, which most of these athletes are, uh, most of them have a very minor symptoms and are able to kind of recover pretty quickly. You know, I think, I think we worry a little bit more about the front office, uh, folks, the, the staff members, the coaches, you know, that maybe are a little older, have a little more, um, health risk, so to speak. And so the, the young athletes seem to be doing fairly well with it. Um, it's, it's, you know, a little concerning for the, the older population that work with the teams. You know, those are the, the folks we can be concerned about. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and before we get into the sports talk, because one, I'm just fascinated by it, and two, you're obviously extremely smart. When it comes to asymptomatic carriers, I mean, because I would think that the younger generation certainly falls within that if they have contracted it, if they are healthy and they're not showing any symptoms. I mean, are you just literally going about your day with zero symptoms whatsoever, or is it a light cough, a headache, X, Y, Z, because that to me seems like really the silent uh, assassin when you talk about keeping this thing around and really spreading it. So what is that for our listeners? Are you just legitimately going about your day as regularly as possible, but you may have it in your system? Yeah, there are cases of that where where, uh, you're a carrier of the virus and you don't even know it, right? You feel fairly normal. You feel like you're going about your day. Um, and, uh, some of the things they've, they've found also with the incubation period. So like the period where you have it and you're actually passing it on to someone else and you literally have no symptoms. Um, that's been an interesting part of this virus. It's lasted several days, um, where you can actually, you know, passing it on to people and don't even know it. Um, in the, in the professional world, you know, some of the ones that, that we've heard about that we know about, uh, some of those guys actually were completely asymptomatic, felt totally normal, uh, had no symptoms whatsoever. Um, we know a couple of the NBA guys maybe had like real low grade fevers or low grade chills or just, you know, kind of felt like they had a cough and a cold sort of mm-hmm. stuff, nothing serious, nothing bad. Um, so, so it's kind of both ranges, but, um, you know, a lot of the, the scary part, I guess, is that people that don't even know they have it can, can be passing it along to more at risk, uh, people. Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it's truly unprecedented, and it's absolutely wild, and when you hear the professionals like yourself talk about it and say you can feel totally fine, or when you're talking about super athletes like NBA players, I mean, a low-grade fever to them, they're playing that night. They're not even thinking twice about it, so that's just, uh, that's just crazy. All right, let's turn towards the sports world, because this week specifically, Dr. Hill, we've gotten somewhat of a light at the end of the tunnel. Leagues have come together, and they've put forth some tentative schedules as to when maybe the sports world will return. Most notably, it was golf at the start of the week. They kind of rolled out a fall schedule. The Masters obviously moved from this weekend to November. You've heard baseball talk about possibly starting up spring training again and maybe keeping all 30 teams in Arizona to start the regular season. Is basketball going to go to Las Vegas and take over a couple of casinos, play in the ballrooms? 
Who knows? And then I think the funniest thing is college football coaches who I don't even know why they're being asked medical opinions are really kind of spouting off at the mouth because, hey, they want to get back to work. It's supposed to be prime spring football season right now. So you, as a medical professional, what are the discussions you guys are having with executives or coaches or really the decision makers right now talking about the risks of coming back at different times? So as an individual team physician, you know, we have, we have discussions with our, you know, uh, staff and general managers and that sort of thing. Right. But as you know, I mean, a lot of this stuff is set in place by the the leagues themselves and the medical professionals at the, at their home offices. Right. So NBA, major league baseball, you know, uh, NFL. Um, so a lot of this is kind of mandated, you know, kind of downward to us, so to speak. Um, but you know, when we're asked by our teams to kind of put in some input, I mean, you know, the, the things we want to be careful of are, are not only just the players, but the support staff around them. Right. So like we talked about earlier, the, the, the young players and the young athletes and young, young people in the country are seeming to do fairly well, you know, very minimal, um, you know, risk, so to speak, but then the, the possibility of a coach getting sick or a, a trainer or somebody that may have other health risks, you know, they kind of have to look out for those folks as well. So it's not just the players. It's, it's the whole team, the whole support staff as well that they have to be kind of mindful of when they're making these decisions. Um, so the things we've talked about just, you know, in loose terms really are, you know, um, how would we test and how often would we test? And, you know, uh, if a player does, you know, have some symptoms of any sort uh, or comes in contact with somebody, do we then test them, you know, once every day for three days? Do you test them every 48 hours? Um and and honestly, nobody really knows. I mean, it, a lot of it is just we're we're kind of trying to play it safe and and keep athletes and staff safe. But but there isn't a playbook, right? So a lot of the stuff is you're making it kind of up as you go. Um, obviously, there'd have to be some level of quarantine for the players if they were in Vegas or they're out here in Arizona for spring training. Um, there'd have to be you know ample testing um, for anybody. Um, so it would be it would be logistically challenging, but at the same time, I think. I think it would be helpful for the country. I know it'd be, it'd be a, a nice um, reprieve from some of the, the sad and, and kind of depressing sort of stuff that we see in the news every day. It'd be kind of fun to have a, um, you know, a, a game to watch at night or, or something to kind of distract us for a little while. I think that would be, um, it'd be great for the country and I, I would personally love it. Um, but at the same time, you have to do it very carefully, very safely. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. You know, we talked to Dr. Brett McCabe a couple of weeks ago. He's a clinical psychologist, and, and as 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 apolitical as possible, he was just talking about the mainstream media really dramatizing the news to to a to a negative effect of the public. Like you said, you cannot get away from it. And sometimes you're reading literally the most negative things day in and day out. That's where we miss our sports. I, I vow to never take sports for granted ever again. And I think most people <laughs> would certainly agree. When you, when you talk about the quarantine protocols, if the NBA were to go to Las Vegas or if Major League Baseball does start back up in Arizona, the first thing that I think of, and we talked to Taylor Twelman about this, who, who's uh, on the MLS call for ESPN, what about the families? I mean, are the wives who are out in Arizona with the pitchers and catchers in baseball, are they allowed to even be there? Because, you know, that that net gets cast pretty wide when you're talking about the people that they're around. How would that even begin to work? Would it just be essential staff, players, and coaches? 
Yeah, that's interesting. You know, uh, just just this week, um, I've, I've come in contact with a, a few of the major league guys just for different teams around here in Arizona, and I've asked them that exact question. Actually, actually, I listened to the podcast with you and Taylor, and I kind of it was a great talking point. So I've asked a few of them that exact question, um, and you know, most of them, you know, kind of felt like you, there were probably some high level of quarantine initially, like they would be removed from their families and their kids and um, and then maybe as things hopefully improve in the country, maybe then that quarantine can extend to their family and, you know, their close relatives, um, you know, so it would be challenging and that would be hard. And that would, a lot of the, you know, you were a young player and you have young kids and a, and a wife at home. And, you know, those are kind of the, the people that help you keep grounded and keep you mentally focused and, you know, kind of stress reliever as well. And so uh, you start holding guys up in a hotel for months on end and, um, it gets, it gets stressful, right? I mean, it, yeah. it weighs on you. And, um, so I think their athletic performance may not be, uh, at optimal levels either if they're not around their kids and their families. And so I think that would be something that would be, it'd be challenging again, a logistical nightmare, um, how you do that, but maybe initially very high levels of quarantine. And then maybe as things are, are flattening out, maybe you can kind of open up a little bit. When you talk about opening up and really from like a public health perspective, the curve flattening, I mean, I know you're not an expert in virology or epidemiology, but what kind of milestones will we have to jump over in order to really get to this light at the end of the tunnel that they're talking about, even if it does look extremely different, like no fans or Arizona or Las Vegas or golf beginning back in June. What, what are those milestones that I think, you know, the experts will look to, to kind of notch off before we get sports back? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, definitely, um, decreasing numbers of you know new infections and obviously death rates right that's important uh you certainly can't start back sports if if things are continuing to escalate um so obviously things would have to be kind of settling back down um and, and honestly i think there's probably a little bit of a um a litmus test for the nation right is the nation ready for it are they ready are we ready to open this back up a little bit you know um whereas some parts of the country really haven't been hit too hard you know um, cities like New York and Seattle and those places are are really in the thick of it, and there and you know your heart goes out to them, uh, and so you have to be sure that everybody's all the teams, all the players, everybody's kind of ready to get back at this thing, um, you know, before you just open the floodgates. Um, but I think I think definitely numbers going down, decreasing is going to be really important, um, and I think socially restrictions like the states, you know, kind of backing down on their uh, shelter in place orders would have to be kind of in place as well. Um, but I think the biggest thing for, for like a, a sports, you know, league is testing, right. Is making yeah. sure that these guys and gals can be tested and can be proven that they're negative, they're asymptomatic and they can get back on a field and they can be around other people and not worry that you're going to reinfect, you know, and restart a, another outbreak. No, I totally agree with you. I mean, on a, on a much lesser scale, if you've ever been in a football locker room, really when the fall turns into winter and a flu goes around or a stomach virus goes around, I mean, you're talking about if six guys have lockers next to each other and one person has it, the five other of them are getting it within the next three days. Like, it is crazy how fast they go through because you're around these guys literally all day long in such close quarters. To your point, though, Doc, I mean, the public reaching that tipping point probably would be 
at the end of this month, right? I mean, everybody's shelter in place continues to be pushed back and everybody's getting more and more restless. Funny enough, though, I go back to the college coaches. Mike Gundy caught some heat earlier this week. Dabo Sweeney has taken some as well. But I think most importantly, because when you're talking about college football, they're not getting paid, right? And they're sitting there going, get our guys back on campus. They're young. They're healthy. If they get sick, we'll take care of it. But we need to start. There's too much money at stake. And there is a ton of money, not only for the universities, for the broadcasting deals, for the TV rights. It is a humongous deal in college football is the revenue driver for just about every big time athletic department. When you talk about college athletes, obviously who are not getting paid, but then even professional athletes, how do you think, or how, how do you think they should feel about returning back to sports when they get that green light? Because obviously, unless a medical miracle happens, there's not going to be a vaccine for COVID-19. Yeah. So the guys that I've talked to at this stage, um, I would say most of them are, you know, obviously very socially aware and, and they want to do their part to, you know, not spread the disease and, and flatten the curve. Right. Um, but, but they're athletes, you know, I mean, you're an athlete, right. I'm a former athlete. Uh, and, and you want to play, right. I mean, you love playing, you love being around your teammates. You love the practicing and the games and, um, whether you're getting paid or not, you just love the sport that you're playing. And so I think mentally, um, I think the guys will be ready to go. You know, the, the athletes will be ready to go whenever they're given the green light. I think they'll, they'll be, they'll turn it on and, and ready to go. And some of the guys I've talked to in the last couple of weeks have even said, man, if they let me go tomorrow, I'd be there. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, I, I'm ready to play. Um, I think they're, you know, they want to be smart about it, but at the same time, and that's what they do. You, you know, yep. Drew, you loved playing, you know, that's what you want to do. You want to go play and, and you love playing, you love the game. And so I think as soon as the green light's given, I think I think they're going to be ready to rock and roll. No, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I mean, these guys, it's what they do. And as crazy as it sounds, I know some people have said, how can you allow these college athletes to get back? Some, some even think that this will be a driving force to change how amateurism works and why student-athletes should get paid. And professional athletes, obviously, NBA players are saying they haven't gotten paid. A couple of NFL guys have said they haven't gotten paid the past few weeks either. I mean, that's beside the point. But you just said it. I mean, these guys love the game, the majority of them at least, and they're ready to go, especially when you're talking about baseball. I mean, spring baseball was right around the corner. Opening weekend was a week and a half ago. These guys are ready to rock and roll. Now they're just in Arizona chomping at the bit or in Florida waiting for that green light so they can finish up and get the regular season started. In your professional opinion, and we won't hold you to it, which league do you think (laughs) – starts first obviously major league baseball they've talked about arizona nba in vegas nhl i haven't really heard much from the hockey world and then golf obviously has said mid-june so in your opinion which is logistically the most reasonable to start first um you know that's a good question i i think logistically um major league baseball might be the 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 one that can open up at least with the the major league guys you know you start talking about minor league and you get into each team has you know 250 300 minor league guys right so that gets real challenging um but i think i think baseball with maybe arizona or florida wherever getting you know kind of organized and and sharing you know the spring training facilities and that sort of thing um, I think, I think I might be the, the first to go. I've heard rumblings of the NBA, like you said, going to Vegas. Um, but you know, it, uh, the NBA is a very international game, right? So you've yeah. got players that literally the second the season got canceled, took off to Europe or, uh, wherever they're from 
And so to get those guys back and get them, you know, and on a team and quarantine and all that sort of stuff, I think it gets real logistically hard. Um, baseball is definitely an international sport as well, but um, some of the, a lot of the players haven't left, right? Mm-hmm. They've stayed in their spring training facilities or they've stayed at their American homes. So I think, I don't know, I think baseball might be the first one to kind of get going again. Um, and, um, I, you know, the NFL still got some time before they get kicking and, you know, and college football as well. Um, so I think if I had to, if I had to put uh, my, my guests down, I would say uh, it's going to be baseball. Yeah, that's it. You bring up a great point. I hadn't really thought about that. I mean, golf is almost in the same position as well when you're talking about some of these major tournaments that attract worldwide fields. And these guys are all over the globe. You're going to have to have a very specific set of rules when talking about how they get back into the country. Are they healthy enough? How do you check off those milestones? You're right. Basketball would be tough as well. I think baseball might be that like you just said. All right, let's talk about some football. What do you think about the NFL kind of going about their business and and not jumping to any conclusions? You don't have to get too deep into this answer, but I think they're doing the right thing. I mean, we've got so much time. And, and just over the past 10 days, really, all of these figures that were supposedly projected for the mortality and really the spread of this virus has gone down quite significantly. So are they just doing the right thing by playing their cards to their chest and saying, we'll just, we'll make the decisions when we have to down the line? You know, as a, as a medical, medical professional, I think, yes. I mean, I think, I think they're doing, doing what they should do, right? It's their off season. Uh, you know, you cancel some OTAs, you cancel some, some practices, maybe some rookie mini camps and that sort of stuff. Um, and, and it does, hasn't affected their season yet. Right. So the major league baseball and NBA and those guys, I mean, to, to cancel a season, that's a big deal. Um, but for the NFL, they, they have the advantage of it being their off season. And so they can just kind of plow right along and continue to, you know, do business as usual and, you know, make some modifications like the virtual draft, you know, and that sort of stuff. Um, but, but honestly, um, it's kind of, I think it's kind of therapeutic in some ways where, you know, you can read a little bit about draft preparations or, you know, teams and trades and that sort of stuff that keeps you kind of, you know, again, a, a little bit of a, a nice distraction from the, the heaviness of the, the outbreak and the pandemic. Um, so, I mean, I think at this stage, I think they're, they're trucking right along and, and in a lot of ways it, it makes some sense, right? Cause they're not putting anybody at risk. Their teams are not at risk. Their coaches and players and staff aren't at risk. Um, they're, you know, they're going to mandate, you know, spreading out during the draft. So uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. I think the NFL, you know, uh, it kind of hit at a sweet spot. It, it would have been crazy for this to have occurred oh in gosh. December or January during the NFL playoffs. I mean, could you imagine? Could you imagine if there was no Super Bowl? I mean, seriously, that would have been yeah. absolutely insane if there was no Super Bowl, if there was no college football playoff, no NFL playoffs. That would be wild. How would you end the season? Because clearly it would have taken a lot longer in the height of the season of this pandemic, right? Kind of like on the timeline China hit, but. That is a crazy thought, uh, but you're right. I mean, I, I, I would agree with you there as well. With that being said, and looking towards the fall, how are you feeling about Georgia this year? I mean, new quarterback, new offensive coordinator, new special teams coordinator, third game of the year is in Tuscaloosa. Doc, we got a big season in Athens. Yeah, we. well, I'm, I'm actually in my uh, office right now, and I have a picture of you and I talking on the sidelines of a Cardinals game there about you go. the dogs, and I think... I think we literally stopped talking about the dogs just long enough for you to go punt 
and then get back and then that you know, we just pick right. our conversation back up again. Yeah. Um, you know what? I think, uh, I think the dogs are going to be uh, pretty good this year. If there's one thing we've learned, Kirby smart is a great coach. Yep. I mean, he is a great coach and he gets our guys ready to go. And our defense looks like they're going to be just solid as usual. Um, so, I mean, I think we're going to, you know, with the new offensive coordinator, new special teams, I think we're, you know, we're going to have some bumps in the road. Right. But you give a, you give a, a great defense like Kirby and those guys, uh, I'll take them. You know, I think, uh, I think we got a good chance. I'm, I'm really hoping and praying that, uh, we, you know, this COVID stuff can blow over by then so that we can, you know, enjoy a good college football season. Obviously, you know, a human life is way more important than any sporting event, but it, it would be fun to, to have, uh, the dogs back on the field and all the teams back on the field this season. Yep. I mean, I'm right there with you hundred percent. Hopefully everybody remains to stay healthy and gets healthy if they aren't, but, um, football in the fall would just be so awesome. And if we don't have football in the fall, I've said it on podcasts prior, the quarantine self-isolation is going to be the least of everybody's worries because the South, there will be an <laughs> uprising. I mean, it would be socially, I mean, I couldn't even imagine if there wasn't. So uh, let's all hope that everybody yep. bands together, keep up social distancing, and we'll rock and roll towards the fall. My last question for you, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Besides me, obviously, and in any sport, who's the most impressive athlete you've ever been around? Most impressive athlete? Besides well, me. Well, I mean, you would take – yeah, no, you take the cake. <laughs> I mean, you're number one, but let's, let's, let's knock that off the list. Um, the most impressive athlete um, – you know, I, I think of uh, somebody like uh, Larry Fitzgerald, yep. you know, Larry. Yep. Um, I mean, that guy is an incredible athlete. He's and, not human. You know. He's not human. People don't no, understand it's, that. It's, it's, it's absolutely crazy. No. I mean, the guy's a, an incredible golfer, obviously good football player, basketball player. I mean, uh, so I, mean, I think he, he probably stands out as just an unbelievable athlete. Um and then um, you look at somebody like uh, a Chandler Jones, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, that guy, just a freak of nature. Um, so I think those two probably come off the top of my list. Is just, just some of those guys you just look at and you're like, these, these are these guys are from a different planet. They're gonna, we're gonna figure out one day that they're, you know, a, a robot or exactly. Mars or something. I couldn't agree more, so. man. And the Cardinals are looking pretty good. They got a little bit of momentum heading into the uh, 2020 season. Whenever that starts but doc hey man thank you so much for your time and your expertise i know everybody has really enjoyed this interview tell the family hello for me and jackie and i look forward to seeing y'all really soon absolutely tell jackie and the girls i said hi we love you guys and thanks for having me on i really appreciate it it's been a blast sounds good we'll talk soon thanks again so awesome catching up with Dr. Destin Hill. Huge thanks to him spending some time with us. I hope you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It's always refreshing, I think, to get an expert's opinion, to get a medical professional's opinion, right? We can all turn on Sports Center. We can all listen to a talking head tell us what should and shouldn't happen regarding this pandemic. It's good to understand what the people on the inside are thinking, and hopefully there is some legitimate light at the end of the tunnel. So huge thanks to Dr. Destin Hill, a damn good dog for sure. Fantastic catching up with him. And if for whatever reason you guys are ever in the Arizona area and you're dealing with some sort of sports injury, go check him out. Look him up online, Destin Hill at the Arizona Sports Medicine 
Center. Well, that does it for this episode. Got another great episode coming up for you tomorrow to wrap up this week. The Quarantine Chronicles roll on. Yes, they do. As long as we're all stuck inside, I'm going to keep rocking and rolling, reaching out to some people. Tell me who you want me to interview. I will reach out to them and make it happen. And for the people who are listening, who I have reached out to, and you have not answered me, Shame on you. The people want to hear you on the Quarantine Chronicles. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Punt and Pass. Follow me at Drew Butler, and I will be right back here tomorrow with another episode. Until then, see you.